Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the only podcast about television on the internet. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ledwig. Dan, I don't want to waste a lot of time right now because we have a couple of orders of business, so I'm not waiting a lot of time with our with the cutesy sort of intro stuff. First order of business is we have a special guest with us on today's episode. You may know him from History Honeys, Sex Archie, Six Feet Under, Let's Play with Chip and Aronicus, The Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die, Woohoo, the Erotic DuckTales fanfiction podcast, mm-hmm. Ground Pods Day, one man's attempt to record the same podcast every single day. How much is that doggy in the window, which is a YouTube series that's pretty much the price is right, but mm-hmm. on the price of animal souls. And my brother, my brother and me. <laughs> it's the internet's own Grant. I've heard at least three of those don't exist <laughs> very recently. <laughs> People keep ye- like yelling at at you like, I promise you, the price is right with dogs when doesn't exist, Grant. You didn't do that. <laughs> hey, hey, Grant, did yeah? you know that some people go days, even weeks of their lives without making content for the internet? I I wouldn't know what that's like. <laughs> did, you, did you know that that's a thing that people do, can do? <laughs> Look, the, the only way I can... Vin- I can convince myself that my life is interesting and worth living is that if other people tell me so, <laughs> I mean, so I need to put it out there for them to tell me so. Like when, when you're lying in bed with your lovely wife, doesn't like, happen. <laughs> no time, no time. He when sleeps you... from one of those like hanging things. Yeah. Like... <laughs> when you are hanging upside down by a bar and your wife is going to bed, sleep in a bed. Are you ever mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what would be great content? The Sleeping with Grant podcast. <laughs> I just, like, you just hear me sleep and you can... No, no, that's the DuckTales one. <laughs> a lot of them are RPF. So he doesn't is... actually remember doing most of these. He just blacks out. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, that's order of business number one. Grant, thanks for being on the show. When we get in... Oh, thank you, thank you. We... I... we I Would thought we... you were going to blow past introducing him for a sec. I thought you were just going to skip that and go, and I was so uncomfortable <laughs> for that 30 seconds. <laughs> Order of business number two. Hey, listeners, you've been super great lately. Like, we've been getting a lot of love from listeners lately, and normally I do the the social media plugs and everything at the end, but I got to do it up front right now, because we've gotten a lot, of, a lot of love from people. First off, we got a message from Kyle on Facebook who said, you guys are fucking awesome. I love the show, and my friend and I are ripping it off with Batman. So Kyle is working on a similar show to ours with 60s Batman, like 1966 Batman. They're calling it Surf Kings of Gotham, which is a great name. Great name for a podcast. Really the opposite end of, of like the yin and yang to the Andy Griffith show in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, I'll definitely be listening, but like 60s Batman is unironically good, a thing that I really like. So I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to listen. So Surf Kings of Gotham. I don't know if that's up or not. I'll, I'll share it when we do. Uh, so we'll check that out. So thanks, Kyle. We also got an email from D. Pickman. D. Pickman says, Hey, I just wanted to thank you guys for keeping me from going insane on the night shift. 
I binged your podcast for weeks and have found myself saying, oh shit, it's just like the Andy Griffith show, the root of all evil, on more than one occasion, <laughs> to literally everyone around me's dismay. I don't know if Bob Sweeney's are still a thing, but puts his dishes in the sink even when the dishwasher is empty, Bob Sweeney. That's a good Bob Sweeney. Solid I miss doing Bob, Bob Sweeney. Sweeney. So deep God, in, thanks, them. thanks for that. And also, we also got a new Patreon, uh, new Patreon patron from Alvin Drexel. Alvin Drexel joined us at the $5 tier. That gives Alvin access to all of our bonus material, all of our old bonus episodes where people force us to watch things, including the upcoming episode, the 1989 film Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. So it's an 80s anime that's coming up on there. We have, by the way, check out patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. We have new tiers. We have new goals. Uh, now if we get certain number a certain number of patrons will do things like we'll have a marathon of public domain uh, failed 60 sitcoms or we'll do a breaking Mayberry themed RPG let's play, which Grant will talk about that. Uh, we might need <laughs> you for that. So yeah, so check that out. Patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. We've got a whole bunch of good bonus stuff on there. And thank you. Thank you listeners for being super cool about this and for showering us in ratings and reviews. There we go. That's order of business. Number two order of business. Number three, Dan, yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. You were sending me texts like I was supposed to mount a rescue party this weekend. Oh. Like, you were sending me some last will and testament. I'm looking at the stuff in your apartment right now that, like, was gonna be mine. Grant, for... <laughs> so, this weekend I went camping. I noticed I didn't get any of these texts. Yeah, no. Uh, well... I thought we were close. I, I'm assuming you blocked my number. Uh, after the JoJo episode, I guessed it on. So this weekend I went camping and pretty early in that process, me and my girlfriend decided that we needed to share our locations with people in case we got murdered. I don't. Yeah. So this is this might be a very bad story because I haven't like storified it in my head yet. It's still just a series of weird, terrible things that happened. Yeah. So I went I went camping in the Catskills, which is a vacation we have been like looking forward to for a really long time. Fuck camping. Fuck camping <laughs> all the way to hell. Fuck it all the way across the sky. It sucks ass. I hate it. And I hate everybody that told me it was a good idea to do. If you like camping, I dislike you a little bit. Not a lot, but a little. But the 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 point where like things kind of got crazy was we got to the campsite and we were kind of like frantic because 10 minutes before we got there, the weather changed from like sunny, 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 maybe a shower, sunny, sunny to you're going to get absolutely fucked with thunderstorms. There is lightning that is like on its way to kill you. So we got there and we were like, I don't know if we should do this. We barely know anything about camping the campground owners kind of whisked us onto the property they were like it'll be fine it'll be fine come on in they were wrapping up a festival so we were seeing like a bunch of like hippie type people who were like leaving and hugging and like doing like bows and namastes to each other and stuff we we get to our campsite we start setting up and my girlfriend just goes hey dan did that seem like a cult to you and i was like what and then th we kind of unpacked everything that happened because her first question was, did you see the thing that they were worshiping in the middle of the campsite? Uh, because 
They were all crowded around a statue. It was made of wicker and vaguely in the shape of a man. You're not wrong, bud. You're not. I mean, you're not far (laughs) off, bud. It was was a a naked woman with a tree coming out of her neck. Uh, An armless naked woman, tree coming out of her neck. They were all like like around it doing little rituals and stuff and there were like candles and shit and she was like so did you see that and i was like yeah and she was like did you get cult vibes and all and i was like i mean they told miss that they just finished having like a three-day gathering festival but now that you mention it the camp owner mentioned that they were doing shamanic rituals down by the lake and told us that they were going to come over and teach us how to pray to the fire They talked about doing cleansing and all that stuff. And yeah, they mentioned that they were going to be playing some really loud music tonight. So maybe like from here on out, there was kind of like a meter in in my head for the remainder of like the evening. That was like on one side, it was just cool hippies. And on the other side, it was like death cult. And there was like a needle swinging back and forth between them. But the point where the needle made a pretty big move was when the music from the evening started, which I was expecting like, I don't know, some NPR stuff, like like some chanting. Maybe it would be like good music and there would be like... Some like, like good... thr- throat singing or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, you know, didgeridoos. Yeah. Exactly. I was expecting that shit. And what played was... Bagpipes. 10,000 Organs, Grant. Organs. <laughs> I do not Human know organs? they got a pipe organ out into the woods, but it was a combination of of pipe organ and also, I really, John Carpenter music. Like, John Carpenter, like, <laughs> Halloween ass, someone is coming to murder you, but like, like, just sinister tones. So we would be sitting there, like, by the fire and I just hear, like, boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> like, just, like, it wasn't like, like, fast. It was like, did, 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 did. It was like long, second long, sinister tones in a very amelodic, like, it didn't sound like a song. It just sounded like a series of, of, of tones. With so occasional- Yanni. Yeah. <laughs> it was like evil Yanni just echoing through the treetops <laughs> as we sat by the fire, just like, making a fire and my girlfriend was like so what are you thinking about and i'm just like oh you know life and all that shit and in my head i'm like i didn't bring any fucking weapons if it really comes down to it i have a we brought why did we bring the tiniest frying pan we have and that's the only heavy object we text i texted marty three other people my girlfriend texted like six other people and the unanimous response was hey maybe you should get a hotel Yeah, so in the morning, it turned out that they were cool hippies, just they they were very unculty when it wasn't like the middle of the night. And a lot of cults are like that, actually. I mean, sure. A lot lot of cults are chill during the day. Cult shit happens at night, right? Yeah. No, they could have just been really good at being a cult. They definitely weren't. (laughs) If if they're outwardly culty all the time, then they can't bring in new members. They got to like code switch a little bit. They got to dial it back for, for indoctrination's sake. I mean, they tried to get us to come to the festival, and after we, like, left, I was like, what is the over-under that we barely missed an orgy? Because I think the chances are pretty good that that... Now that's how you support your recruitment, right there, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta open with the orgy and not the shamanic rituals. So then what happened, Dan? We did, like, one night there, and then we were like, you know what? 
thunderstorm didn't hit. I'm feeling pretty good about this. You know, weather apps, they're bullshit. Fuck it. We'll just like tough it out. And if it does, if it does happen, then, you know, we have a rain tarp over our tent, whatever. So we're like making a fire. And at one point I just say, did a plane just go over us? Or is that the sound of us being fucked? And my girlfriend just goes, we're fucked. Because like suddenly there was a massive thunderstorm happening over us. Turns out you need to put like sealant on top of your tent. Otherwise rain just goes directly through it which seems like it kind of defeats the purpose of tents. But so after like rain starts pouring into our tent, we're just like, all right, throw all of our shit in a suitcase, get in the car. We're going to sleep in the car. And as we're like running through the dark with like flashlights and a lantern, my girlfriend just goes, hey, was there always a downed tree here? And a like birch tree had just like gone down over the pathway out. Um, so I no, that's one of them Ewok traps. It, it, it's the cult. I, They're coming Dan, for Dan, you. Dan Dan sent me it. Dan sent me this text uh, Monday at nine forty three p.m. Lightning struck our campsite. LOL. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we just heard a giant crack and a boom, and we were like, "Okay, time to go." It's just like a downed tree. Fucking. So I ate shit because I was running through the mud in like these four wheeler tracks. We had to, like, crawl under the tree through the mud. So by the time we got to the car, I was just, like, caked in shit. And we got to the hotel, pass out, and in the morning, one of the owners of the campsite meets us down at the Continental Breakfast and just goes like, Oh, hey, you made it! Thought you might be here. Yeah, we got the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, just so nonchalantly. He wasn't like, Oh! You guys came to the hotel. Yeah. He was just like, oh, hey, man, what's going on? <laughs> Did you almost die at my campsite? That's cool. We bounced. All that to say we'd rather talk about anything, really, than Opie and his merry men. Yeah, right. no, so here really. It is. Let's go into this. I got Speaking of messages I got from people, last night Grant sent me a DM on Twitter that said, and I quote, Well, I watched the episode. Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, you want to do a fun one, right? Like one involving an animal or some shit? No, 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 no. <laughs> I called it. I called you in for backup on this, and it was necessary. So here it is. Season 4, episode 12, Opie and His Merry Men. Originally airs December 30th, 1963, Happy New Year. And it was written by that fucking piece of shit, John Whedon. <laughs> fucking John Whedon. And directed by Dick Crenna, who I will remind everybody... Wound up uh, playing the general in the Rambo movies. Mm -hmm. Alright, so here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Opie and his friends play Robin Hood and his merry men when they steal food from their parents to give to a hobo. A uh, hobo played by Douglas Fowley, who I'm not going to look him up. And so, yeah, that is it. And let's just get this out of the way. Fuck this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Grant, thanks for coming on to stare at a swirling pit of pure evil with us. Uh, it's gonna... there, there is an incredible curve to this episode, because halfway through, it owns so hard, and you're just like, what are they going to do? How are they going to grapple with these questions that they've raised? And then the clock keeps ticking. They just don't. Yeah. <laughs> they just drop the ball and pretend the ball was never there and stare at you. Yeah. <laughs> I would argue that they like look you dead in the eye and intentionally throw the ball in a river and are just like, <laughs> fuck you what for ball? even giving us there that ball. There was never a ball. Uh, like, all right, 
I'll, I'll do a spoiler. I'll just give everybody like a taste of what you're come gonna get here. There's a moment in this episode where Opie looks his father dead in the face and says, "Dad, why do cops hate poor people?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just looks him dead it's in the so eye. It's so good. It's so <laughs> good. And and the Andy Griffith show says, "Hey, fuck you for asking." <laughs> just pat just pats you lovingly on the shoulder and says well sport go fuck yourself yeah that's why (laughs) Uh, you got you made a lot of really good points about wealth inequality here i'm just gonna take these and i'm gonna put them in a basket i'm gonna shove that basket right up your bitch ass fuck you (laughs) so it opens up with opie and his friends they're hanging out in the woods they're drinking root beer they're pretending they're playing robin hood and they're merry men just like the one sentence summary said. Every time you ask me to come on the show, which is so far twice, mm-hmm. I, I am struck by the the opening to the Andy Griffith show and just how much it sounds like a dude that wants to sell me fish oil pills for my lumbago. <laughs> and I love it so much. They go. They decide to go run through the forest. Dan, you said that they don't put up their campfire. They uh, do not. The no, no. They 100% or Johnny Paul Jason stays behind and he is seen like stomping it out. However, like... I- I checked. There was still a flame. How, how he doesn't do a very good job of it because there is still flickering as he leaves. Their irresponsible children. Like, it's almost like letting children just hang out in the woods uh, and play with fire is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- this scene ends with uh, th- this opening ends with uh, good old Opie saying. Okay, now let's roam through the forest, which sounds like an Ed Norton line from a, a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If he just delivered it a little more deadpan. <laughs> In fact, every single part of the scene, every line, because right, they're drinking their root beer, but they say, okay, let us quaff our nut brown ale. Hey, don't <laughs> quaff all of that. Save some for us to quaff. It it has Wes Anderson vibes. It really 100%. does. 100%. And so they go through, they're just wandering through the woods, and they stumble across a homeless guy. Like a homeless man in a little shack. You know, he, and this guy's just like, he's got his own fire, he's just got his, like, his little shack, and he's just hanging out. And he's like, hey, kids, don't shoot. I'm just hanging out. Fine. Uh, and they come in and they say, hey, yeah, we were playing Robin Hood. We all watched the movie, probably the 1938, like, Errol Flynn movie, probably, uh, version. So they were like... Because they're so different uh, at that point in time. There, there's so much distinction between the Robin Hoods I mean, available in 1963. There's a lot of different Robin Hoods, man. We've been making Robin Hoods versions for a while. But they, they yeah, start- yeah, and up to that point, your your two options are color or black and white. <laughs> your TV is black and white, so so, and they, then they, after that, just a sharp decline into bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so they 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 saw it, but none of them got to see the end of the movie. It was on TV. None of them got to see the end of the movie. And this this guy, this homeless gentleman, says like, "Oh, I can tell you the story of Robin Hood," and he kind of like, I'm not gonna say he cons them. He's just like. I'm just eating this stew. And they, they offer to him. They say, hey, we've got hot dogs and weenies back at our campsite. And he goes, why don't you bring them here and we'll have a Robin Hood style barbecue or whatever. This guy is an incredible actor. I love every scene with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing so much constantly but without overacting it's like every little twitch every little glance is just another nuance an- another layer it- it's a very 
it's a very broad performance. It's a very like uh, uh, children's entertainment performance. You 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 see that moment very quickly in a couple of minutes when he's like, ah, fuck. Basically, he's like, oh, the cops, the sheriffs. I've had a lot of run-ins with sheriffs. And then as soon as he learns that Opie's dad is the sheriff, there's like a real quick like heel turn. Just like, oh yeah. Uh. I think it's I think it's the eyes. He has like really. Yes. He's a good eye actor where like they're always moving and doing something and focusing on a different thing, and you can actually like see him thinking like through every single scene. He's fucking good. The, the moment I love is when they mention that the weenies and root beer, and his reaction looks like. He's just been told that his sickly brother is all that stands between him and inheriting the throne. <laughs> Five different plans run behind his eyes as soon as he hears about the weenies and the root beer. The root wheels, beer, you say? Wheels within beer. wheels start stir- uh, turning in his head. I, I went back and I watched the other Opie meets a homeless person episode. Oh, this is not even the first multiple. time. This is not even the first time we've done this plot line, which to me I find almost as as offensive as every other offensive thing in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I went back and watched the other one, and just the way that they treat that character, the way that Harvey Bullock wrote a homeless person, a drifter. Uh, is so different than the way John Whedon does it. Uh, and the way that, like, just their attitude shifted so much. Like, that character was just kind of like, he was amoral, but, like, the show almost had sympathy for him, and it was kind of, like, folksy. This one, right, the character, he talks like an East Coast gangster. Like, yeah, <laughs> he, ta- he talks like a low-level informant. And uh, as soon as he finds out that Opie's dad is a sheriff, he's like, well, listen, he's almost a little threatening. Like, he's like, well, listen, maybe your father shouldn't find out about this, huh? He might not be as understanding as you and I are, eh? 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 I would hate for your little shins to get broke, eh? I mean, season two, Homeless Guy is like, like, I'm an anarchist. I love to do crimes and set shit on fire for no reason. And season two is like you know what? That's cool, man. I respect you. And season four homeless guy is like, I want to eat food. And season four Nick of a show is like, fuck you. Fuck this guy. I think we can all agree. Gather around and boo this man. Well, you know why? Because the actor who played season two, Andy Griffith, had a show on CBS at the same time that CBS wanted to promote. So, yeah, so they're just enjoying their stew, their weenies or whatever. He's drinking their root beer. He's eating their hot dogs. He even says, I hope I'm not depriving you, young fellas. And they say, nah, we can get hot dogs at home. Uh, you were going to tell us about Robin Hood. And then, so, so just remember, this whole plot would not have happened if the kids had finished the movie. Right. The, the only moral you can take from this is abolish bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> Let kids finish movie. Well, they, they emphasize that the kids didn't finish the fucking movie. And I thought they were like doing that to like emphasize that they didn't understand the conceit of robin hood they got the idea of robin hood pretty clear right yeah <laughs> they pretty much it's got not it really man. high concept there, there's, there's not a whole lot i mean you, you you'd think so but like there is a lot of debate over the like themes of robin hood that happened to this day and will happen in this episode they didn't catch uh, the m night Shyamalan twist at the end of robin hood they mostly missed the kissing bits, which, uh, if I understand the children of the Andy Griffith show, they're grateful for in the yeah, end. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not fans. So, 
he he talks about Robin Hood in the loosest of terms. Yeah, Robin Hood. Robin Hood was always doing good things. That's why he was famous for doing good things and robbing from the rich and giving to the deserving poor. And then he does like the rambling. Uh, Ooh, there's that word. Des- there's that fucking word. Yeah. Deserving poor. Deserving. And then he like goes off a little bit, just like. And then like he, again, I flashes behind the eyes. Any of your folks rich? <laughs> and he says that, and like I guess we're meant to imply that maybe he's thinking about robbing them. But to be clear, this dude does nothing illegal this entire episode. <laughs> no, he doesn't <laughs> leave his little box. <laughs> like he does nothing wrong and nothing illegal this entire episode. He's say, say whatever you will about Grandpappy Whedon, and we're going to say a lot of things about Grandpappy Whedon, but just the line, any of you boys rich, well, if you was poor, you'd know it, is so good, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of the problem with his character, is that he's kind of well-written. This dude, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he does the whole, like, I'm poor, but I'm not going to complain. Listen to me complain. And he says that he can't work. He tells, like, the most ridiculous story, even for telling a, a lie to children about <laughs> jumping off a train and saving a baby from a train. And he says he flung that baby into a uh, into a pile of leaves, and now it's so hard to tell a story about flinging a baby <laughs> and turn it into an act of heroism. But he did it, man. This guy's a champ, MVP. You know, you know the the, the great ending, right? Is that, that's my line. favorite line. They're like, what's up with that baby now? And they're like, that baby grew up to be fine. That baby is now the president of a supermarket. <laughs> it's such a good line that baby is now the president of a supermarket which he very clearly says like he grew up but also who can do anything but imagine a baby running a supermarket <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> i'm not made of stone i have to envision that for the next five minutes i mean that's what boss baby should have been about <laughs> it should have been about middle management baby it should have been about like Ooh, if I give you 40 hours a week, you gotta get health insurance. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. No. 30, three, eight, 38 hours. That's good. Please don't unionize, please. <laughs> Oliver Platt in the first season of the Fargo show basically is a big baby <laughs> that is president of a supermarket. Well, there you go. Like, Oliver Platt plays this this fictional baby. Right. It all comes together. He does. It's the ultimate strategic advantage as a business owner to be a baby because people are going to be like, I want to speak to your manager. And then you bring out a baby and you're not going to yell at that baby. You're not going to ask will. the baby for the refund. It doesn't have any money. It's a baby. You think I've never yelled at a baby before? <laughs> I've yelled at a baby. Like, like the baby of someone you know or a baby like, on the street or sometimes sometimes babies just have a bad vibe man yeah like baby cuts you off in traffic <laughs> you yell at that baby sometimes... what are you doing driving baby i'm angry at you <laughs> so listen man like everybody has to experience a first right like everyone experiences their first kiss you know their first love their first heartbreak their first i don't know beer I, That's true. I, at some I point been, in your life, I, at some point in your life, somebody decided you were old enough to get yelled yeah. at. Yeah, I, I, I have all made it a point in my life to, you know, when I see a baby, I want to be the first person to give that baby the finger. 
I want to be the first person to go fuck you, baby, and just is flip it, off a baby. Is it like? And then the baby s- takes the finger and like sucks <laughs> on it because it's a baby. Yeah, right. I'm just, I just shove that middle finger in that baby's face, and then it's like, yeah, and just like nibbles on my finger, and I'm like, oh, fuck you. Aww. I know some of your friends have kids, and presumably at least one of them <laughs> listens to this, so they're gonna like text you later and be like, did you flip off my baby? <laughs> When I wasn't in the room, did you tell my baby to fuck itself? You know, my baby is smoking cigars. Marty, do you have anything to do with this? That, thought, that last part was not me. I thought my baby had low self-esteem, and now I know it's because Marty called it a fuck face. Who gave my baby a tribal tap? <laughs> uh, so... This baby grows up to, like, manage a Safeway, which, in this guy's mind, is the highest honor a man can have. Uh, and, he, and, and then he's mad at this fictional baby. He gets mad at this fake baby. He's like, do you think that baby ever turned around to thank me for th- saving its life? No. Rich people got short memories. Well, he, he does because he's a baby. <laughs> he, he mostly just spit up on me. He doesn't me. even have object permanence. Of course he doesn't remember to even the odds or whatever. <laughs> so uh, our our hobo friend here was working for the CB&Q. That is an actual railroad, the Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad. They ran a dense network of lines between Chicago and Denver, and also a spur all the way from Denver out to Texas's Gulf Coast. Uh, they ran the, the Zephyr fleet of locomotives and, and trains, uh, which set a speed record as part of the 1934 World's Fair going from Denver to Chicago in only 13 hours which is an average speed of 78 miles per hour over the entire journey. Mm-hmm. That'll kill a fucking baby. Yeah. <laughs> That'll kill a baby dead. <laughs> I'm so... That baby's got no shit. <laughs> I'm so glad there was a punchline there, Grant. <laughs> I always had faith in you, but for a second I was like, why did Grant do so much uh, research about this train in this obviously bullshit story? <laughs> Where are you going with it? Thank you, Grant, for pull, for sticking the landing. You 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 put in the effort for that joke, and that's why I respect you, Grant. We we <laughs> sometimes have the instinct of like we don't have anything this episode, so let's just pad it with facts. And I'm glad that yours actually had a payoff. One of the boys says mentions the sheriff, right? The sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood is the bad guy. He was always giving Robin Hood trouble, and that's when our homeless friend says. Yeah, sheriffs. Oh, I've had my trouble with sheriffs. Sheriffs are always after us poor people. He's like, hey, what kind of trouble have you had with sheriffs? He he doesn't, like, play his whole hand yet. He seems pretty jazzed at the idea that sheriffs could be bad. I'm, You know, I'm really interested in the way that Opie is developing as a character, especially since I went back and watched second season Opie, and that kid fucking sucks. Yeah. I hate that kid. Because, like, they were just... All they all they had him for was just, like, go out there and be cute. But now you've got this character who is, like, an actual child who is learning a little bit about the world and thinking that maybe not everything he knows about the world has been correct. And It's like he's looking for an excuse to start his teenage rebellion a little <laughs> he's early. He's really pushing it, and I find that very interesting. And Ronnie Howard is doing an okay job of portraying it, too. The way the homeless man says it is, you know, I've had a lot of run-ins with sheriffs. They always want us to keep moving, get out of sight, keep moving along. And when he finds out that uh, Opie's dad is a sheriff, he goes, well, you got sheriffs 
And you got sheriffs. You know what I mean, right? Eh, eh, eh. Yeah. Which <laughs> is pretty generous where he's like, listen, your dad's probably a good sheriff, but there are piece of shit sheriffs out there. He's not like. I can't believe Chris Rock was just ripping I, off. Yeah, I, I, was, I was. He really does go hard on that Chris Rock bit, right? <laughs> uh, I, I can't do a Chris Rock voice. None of us want that, but just play it in your head. But yeah. just, just in case, he goes, "You maybe don't tell your dad where I am." Then we get to the part where he says, "Hey, by the way, what am I doing eating this food? I haven't said Grace yet." It took me like two watches to see that maybe this is a little, I don't know, manipulative. Because his grace is like, let us thank you, God, and let us be, you know, mindful of the needs of others. Like, wink, wink. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's the first time we get anything that looks like a joke, like at all. Oh, that's the first, <laughs> I think that's the first, like, laugh track hit we get. At least the first one I picked up on. Th there is for the, the quaffing the, the brown ale. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But neither of these are jokes. Moment, yeah. Not, neither <laughs> no. one of them is a joke. They're just basic statements. In, in this moment, I really notice how the framing is children's television. Eventually, this is the hobo story hour that we're watching. <laughs> the, the way the camera's behind the boys and he's giving his very, you know, energetic, rubber-faced performance, bringing both the story of Robin Hood and what might be called a scam to life. Like, this is a predecessor of, of reading Rainbow, essentially. You, you know who would have killed in this role? Doodles Weaver. God, he would have crushed. <laughs> he was born for this. But it, so if he's running a scam, it is a real shot in the dark scam. He is like, <laughs> it's a fucking moonshot, man. Like, because he, he's just been like, basically like, I'm going to teach these kids about class inequality. And then maybe they'll bring me a bunch of food out of their family's houses. Again, it takes a very confident con man to just wait for your marks in the woods, making no sign of yourself <laughs> by a crick. It's, it's doing the thing where you turn around, throw the basketball behind you, and assume it's going to go in the fucking hoop. <laughs> Again, this guy does nothing wrong, nothing illegal. He doesn't even, like, Charles Manson his way into getting this food. All he does is say... Yeah, some people are poor and some people are rich. And then the kids go and get him food of their own volition. Yeah. And to be clear, right, all this man does is he sits by himself in the woods. Some kids come. He talks to the kids. Later on, the kids give him food. He takes the food uh, that they give him. There is nothing illegal about that. He has <laughs> <Yeah>. done nothing <laughs> wrong. I, I guess maybe you could say that, like, this might be an ordinance against sleeping in the park. Yeah, by the way, he's clearly not trespassing. If he's trespassing, so is Opie. So this is probably unowned or, like, public land. Maybe there's an ordinance against sleeping there, but that's sort of a solution in search of a problem now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so the only law he might have maybe broken is the law that was con that was made up just to get him in trouble, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have no evidence of that whatsoever. So, yeah. Bear in mind, this man has done nothing wrong in yeah. the eyes of the law. And so the next day, or that night at dinner, Opie's asking some kind of important kid questions. It, it's it's dinner time at the Taylor home. So it's uh, the three Tailors and Barney is there. I guess because Thelma Lou threw his ass out, finally. For the moment. <laughs> <laughs> He'll weasel his way back in. Give him time. So Opie says, Pa, are we rich? Yeah, you know, they have this big laugh like, you can't get rich being a sheriff, and 
Barney's like, yeah, you'll get investigated if you do. That's the first joke of the episode. That's the yeah. first joke, yeah. He asks, you know, the natural question, are we poor? And they go, oh, we're not poor. We're better off than a lot of people. Uh, they praise Barney. Barney says the one line that's like, you know, we're rich. There's a lot more than material items that make you rich. There's love and friendship. And they go, yeah, Barney, good job. And then he repeats it over and over again till he will receive the praise again like a fucking labradoodle. I, I actually did laugh at that. I thought that was a good joke. Does it again later where it's not so much a joke. It's just a desperate example of how how he craves like attention and, and approval. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just a profile. He's a very sad man. He really is. <laughs> a lot of the jokes are like, Hey, you guys want to see a really, really, really sad guy? <laughs> like, <laughs> eh, yeah. But so he he does. They do that whole like we're rich in life experiences bullshit, and they make a big thing of Ampy made a pie. No one wants the fucking pie. The person that made the pie does not want the pie. The pie is basically a burden upon the family. She offers it to Andy Barney. Opie doesn't want it, and then Opie has to go outside and play. You're skipping over the most important part. You're skipping oh. over the most important part. The most important part is when Opie, oh, Christ, Opie, yeah. fin- Opie does finally look and say, hey, why do sheriffs hate poor folks? And Andy goes, what? What? You know, we'll think about the sheriff of Nottingham, right? That was his job. He hated poor people. And Andy goes, hold up now, right? I just need to see some video of somebody like taking the mic at a town council meeting and like clearing their throat and saying, Opie Taylor once asked his father. <laughs> and now I pose this question to you. And, and, and basically, Bar- or basically, Andy turned around and goes, hold up now. Blue lives matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> listen, son, I don't know what happened with Robin Hood, but you've got things backwards. Sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do. We don't make the law. We just enforce it. That bullshit. And then he, Barney says... The, I, I, the play here is to just insist that, that cops are neutral enforcers of a neutral order. And that doesn't really cut it when you're talking about the example of the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah. A guy who is so explicitly not that, that children get it. <laughs> yeah. And to be, so, hey, remember last week where the dumbest man in Mayberry accurately pointed out that the cops have their own system of rules well the second dumbest man in mayberry is about to make another great point Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because the second great dumbest man in mayberry says yeah oh ours is not to reason why ours is just to make out citations big laugh yeah big laugh (laughs) as we as we just pull back the curtain and say the cops have no point yeah, like, all the characters, like, look directly into the screen and laugh. Just, like, giant, like, neon signs say, like, laugh at this line. Like, I, I, ours is not to reason why, says the man who has nearly shot this child dead <laughs> several times. Maybe you should reason why a little bit, once in a while. Listeners, listeners, I don't know if you've ever been watching television and had everybody on the screen, like, directly look you in the face and say... Fuck you to every political belief you've ever had. <laughs> but I have. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's a weird experience. So I, I should point out, the Andy, Gr- Andy Griffith and Barney, they reason why constantly. <laughs> That's their whole fucking deal. Is that they go, hey, 
this law is bullshit. I'm not doing that one. Like, that's whole, that's their whole fucking conceit is that they just kind of do what they want. So. Turns out we don't have any digression if it's what gets my kid to stop asking questions. Yeah. Suddenly your kid is asking about class inequality and now you're by the book. When it comes to pissing off an old man for fun, suddenly certain laws are bullshit. (laughs) Fucking jackass show. Anyway, so yeah, then then things play out the way that Dan just described. Opie goes outside and play. Barney, Andy, and uh, Aunt B are still sitting around talking about Robin Hood. Barney says, well, Opie had it wrong. He thinks the sheriff is the bad guy. And he goes, God, you take out the laugh track, and this scene is such a, a bleak <laughs> depiction of the authoritarian mind. Oh, my yeah, God. No. Yeah. And, and, and the, rap, the rapidness at which this happens is so alarming, right? Because <laughs> Andy goes, well, no, he was. And they go, what do you mean? He was. He was the bad. I might I might go hunt down the clip and put it in here. Put it the uh, fuck in. And, and, and Barney has this violent... It's the only word for it. Violent reaction to the notion that authority could be shown to be wrong. Unhinged he goes monologue. Full fash. Yeah. Full fascist. Immediately he wa- he's he wants to burn that book. Yeah. He wants that shit yeah. banned. Yeah. We we're, we're talking about seduction of the innocent. It's those damn video games and the rock music and them fifteenth century ballads that are corrupting <laughs> young minds. He he says. We need to ban that book because how do you know that fucking Jack the Ripper and Billy the Kid and, and a bunch Dil- of other- John Dillinger. Yeah, they all didn't read Robin Hood. Like, he does Broken Windows fucking theory on it where it's like, oh, it's the it's the gateway drug to do crime. We- <laughs> Robin Hood has been sort of a fucking barometer for people's political beliefs for most of the latter 20th century because- if you have reading comprehension, or if you are, are like, you know, a, a liberal to a leftist, you basically read Robin Hood as a socialist. That is one interpretation. The other interpretation that other people have taken is Robin Hood didn't care about giving to the poor. He just fucking hated taxes. Yeah. Like, many libertarians have, have just been like, oh, hell yeah, that guy lives out in the woods and he hates tax collectors. <laughs> That's my kind of guy. <laughs> I think, like, the... The the Disney version of it that like I always got it a kid was like, well, Robin Hood's fuckable. <laughs> yeah, yes, no, Robin, that... Robin Robin Hood makes Robin Hood made Mary and make me feel weird a little <laughs> yeah. bit. This you, is awakening something in me. You you can do as much crime as you want when you're a sexy fox. Like, like <laughs> that's also the lesson of Ocean's Eleven. By the <laughs> <Yeah>. way, <laughs> I think. I, I really can't wait for Ocean's 14 when the new member they add is going to be the sexually charged fox. I think <laughs> it's the it, 2D animated fox that's going to give it to you. Lola Bunny. Lola yeah. Bunny is joining the crew. <laughs> yes. Uh, check out our new member, the sexually confusing cartoon character. Don't ever call me doll. Okay. Fuck off, Lola Bunny. We're like tangent within a tangent. Um, so, but like the the Disney explanation that I got was like, okay, well, Robin Hood was doing crimes, which are bad, unless you're living under like a super evil, like the, they were like, the king is so evil and shitty, he makes crime okay. 
So like, <laughs> like you like it's basically like don't do crime unless there's a cartoon lion who sucks his thumb and he's so bad the crime is okay. Okay, so the version that that's that's the story of the American Revolution as it is taught. Yeah. The, so the, yeah. the version though that they would have been watching the Errol Flynn version, my favorite version, is pretty explicitly Robin Hood loves fucking with rich people. Robin Hood hate thinks rich people suck shit. They they're the worst, and he has so much fun messing with them, and yeah. that's and that's why it rules. Like if you watch that, like there's no there's no other interpretation other than fuck rich people. They deserve everything that comes to them. So fuck rich people and their daughters. Yeah. So they go out to the woods. The kids go to the woods, and they bring this homeless man an entire Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. <laughs> One kid's just like, <laughs> we brought you an entire ham. Yeah. <laughs> I brought you ham, half a turkey, a crate of vegetables, and a pie. <laughs> like, there's just way too much. I'm sorry. I don't care if you are homeless. There's way too much food for one person to eat. It's going to do. It's another yeah. killer line here. Although this one is like, mm, put it on a little thick. But I just still love supper. Huh. That's for rich folks. <laughs> yeah. I, they bring him so <laughs> They bring him more food than you possibly eat. So they're basically like, hey, we want you to have a really good meal. And also get attacked by a bear. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Now, I, I'm pretty sure you can't eat this entire ham and half a turkey in one night. So you're going to shit yourself <laughs> to death later? Yeah, I'm sorry. Giving that much food to a man who does not have a toilet available at the ready is... <laughs> or a refrigerator. <laughs> like... I'm, that, that might be worse than not helping him at all, to be honest. Uh. <laughs> and I'm a, and these are idiot children, so you know that turkey fell in the dirt like six times. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's very excited about this. He's very thankful. He like tears into it. There's kind of a gag about him not saying grace. It's not really a joke. Which, it felt like it was supposed to be a very serious, oh, he's evil moment where he forgets. Yeah, to yeah. Now, now that the scam has worked, you know, he, he's letting the mask slip. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a weak ass mask. It's only a mask that makes sense in the demented mind of John Whedon. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can tell as he's writing it, John's like, ho, ho, ho. Now the viewers at home are going to get it. Now I've got, I made it clear. The viewers at home are like, what? Oh no, he didn't say grace over the turkey leg a child threw at him. Like, nailed him, Joss. He was too hungry to be polite. What a what a jerk! <laughs> I, I Check like, out I like this that real piece of shit. I like that Freudian slip <laughs> you had there, uh, Dan. I know it's so hard to get mad at a Whedon, and it's not John. I mean, it's not Josh. Fuck! Like, it, it just the it's it's like it's muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. so Next day at the jail, Andy's on the phone and he finds out that a ham has been stolen. Like someone's on the phone and he's like, that's all they took with a ham? That's weird. And then Aunt B shows. But there is a crime spree. Everyone is incensed about their food scraps <laughs> that they did not want to eat yeah. going missing. Aunt, Aunt B comes in and says that the pie is missing. And then she leaves for the rest of the episode. <laughs> all right. Well. There is no more information about food to be delivered, so bye. <laughs> That's my only role on this fucking show. Bye. Uh, and yeah, thoroughly established that no one gives that much of a fuck. She's just like, hey, there's a pie gone. 
I don't really care. I make one every 15 minutes, so. Oh. <laughs> they let her think there's a killer fox on the loose yeah. and never correct her. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. The way that she leaves is very funny, right? Barney suggests maybe it's a fox, and then Aunt B says, oh, no, a fox. Imagine a fox, a fox on the loose in Mayberry, and then exits for no reason. <laughs> I need to like, go no tell one everybody. <laughs> no, like that would be an excuse. Like if she said, I need to go tell Clara or whatever, that would give her an excuse to leave. She doesn't. I need to go in the panic room. <laughs> she doesn't say why. She just says, oh no, a fox. And then shuffles out the door. Maybe it's a silver fox. Those are my favorite. <laughs> oh my God. Such shitty writing. Andy comes to the conclusion. He's like, all right, so... Pi went missing from my house, and all of my son's friends' parents are also missing food. I'm going to talk to my kid. And then Barney says, let me interrogate your child. <laughs> yes. To which Andy <laughs> responds, not this again. Stop, <laughs> stop trying to do interrogation techniques on my son. It is getting to the point uh, of being weird. Come on, Andy. No, Andy, you don't learn by asking a kid questions. You learn by beating him with a chain <laughs> until his eyeball falls out. Uh, it's in the manual, Andy. Come on, Andy. Like a let kid. me... Let me waterboard your child. Come on. A kid, a boy, a boy don't grow up right if there's not a little waterboarding involved. <laughs> I got a car battery and the boy's got nipples, Andy. <laughs> it writes itself. Listen, we just got a brand new copy of the Mayberry phone book that's just <laughs> itching to be broken in. Yeah, but it's only like five pages. <laughs> it's, it's a, a small magazine. <laughs> The entire Yellow Pages is Moonshiners and Floyd. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's a pamphlet. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of, we've talked enough. This, this scene is fucking stupid. Barney's theory is, like, if he distracts Opie with a checkers game, he'll be able to interrogate him without Opie noticing. It leads to a very funny bit where Opie walks in and is like, Hey, is dad here? And Barney goes, nah, 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 but looks like you're having fun. You want to hang out? Hey, what if, What about a game of checkers? You want to play a game of checkers? And Opie's like, not especially. Yeah. What if it's the end of Sherlock Holmes' A Game of Shadows, but they're both idiots? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, the, I, I, I'm of the opinion that the checkers scene rules, unfortunately. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it does. It does. Yeah, it's, it, it really is like the highlight of like the episode but also it would be good in an episode that wasn't a shrieking nightmare this is true um, right so yeah uh, so so the the expect the the reversal you're expecting absolutely happens right it is barney who gets so engrossed in the game that he he can't pay attention to to what he's supposed to be talking about and opie not only destroys him in checkers but is also like hey barney defend inequality <laughs> yes. Barney Fife, I want to know your complete justification for class structure and poverty, Barney. Barney, let's go. It's a deeply sad scene because it comes between a a child whose entire worldview is being restructured and who is desperately reaching out for any adult to explain it to him, which is why he's talking to Barney Mm -hmm. fucking Fife. And then an adult who is so broken that he can't focus for five minutes because he's losing a game to a child. Like yeah. this is the question, one of the, the question that I asked seen. myself the question that I asked myself watching this a second time is is Barney unable to focus on on what Opie is saying because he's losing or is he just unwilling? Mm. I 
the so much of this fucking of this fucking show is Opie asking like basic questions about like capitalism and inequality and everyone just goes like here's the first half of an answer and then the second half is a joke and by the end he's like will someone please just talk to me without doing bits like, <laughs> like just- again, I, I think there is a sadder read of the barney five character if you don't take this as the he's bad at checkers gag and instead read it as like him refusing to put on the sunglasses and they live yeah like, he, he doesn't want to think about this no, it's like it's a defense mechanism is to just become hyper focused on checkers. And I mean, Opie asks some sad questions. He's he straight up says like, Barney, why is it some folks got everything and some folks got nothing? What's wrong about taking food and giving it to someone who's hungry? Like literally the basis of every moral philosophy class of all time. Is it right to steal food to feed someone who is hungry? Like the basis of basically every question of morality for all time an important like question in child development i think and barney's like fuck you play yeah specifically says, well lope i was i was watching that lame miserable and i think they should have shot jean valjean <laughs> shot him dead oh god <sighs> like uh fucking yeah no like it's an absolutely deranged scene so Andy, Andy Reed, comes back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like struggling to keep talking it's about so this hard. fucking episode. Go, 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 go. Yeah. So Andy re-enters. Barney announces that he lost and storms off. They have an Andy and Opie scene, which is always just like Andy asked Opie to tell the truth. Opie tells the truth. So he's like, hey. Do you guys steal a shitload of food? Opie says, yeah. And fucking exchange. It goes right we- to like, hey, Pa, there's a guy in need and I promise the cops wouldn't harass him. And Andy's like, hey, Barney, go harass yes. him. Right, right. Immediately. Bar- Fuck. Bar- Bar- Barney straight up says, oh, is that they call it, his name is Weary Willie. They yeah. put Weary in his name. That's the adjective they use to describe him. They use a they use a pitiable adjective in his name. That's his fucking nickname. I've run him out of there like four times. Yeah, yeah. So they've just been like harassing one homeless guy that just wants to live down by the goddamn lake. And and Opie's like straight upset. Like this is the close the closest we've seen to like straight up rebellion from Opie. He says, "I wish you weren't the sheriff, so you wouldn't have to be mean." And then we get a fucking Andy Griffith twist. And John Whedon rotten fucking hell for this line. Dan, do you want to? Will you do the honors? Yeah, yeah. I, I paraphrased it a little bit. Um, I'm sure they're having a lot of fun in Robin Hood, and I'm sure your boys enjoy playing at it. But stealing is stealing, and that's that. It won't hold up in court. You youngins are be too young to take the law into your own hands. We take from the rich, and we give it to the poor. We call it taxes. We do it by law. He says yeah. we do it by law. We call it taxes. Folks that can't work or are too old to take care of themselves, we take from the rich and give it to them that way. Uh, quick note, by the way, top tax bracket in 1963 was 95%. Uh, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. The, yeah, the, the two parts of this speech. First, you can't break the law because that's illegal. Like, <laughs> we're just like... Eating in the trash can of ideology, two fists, just barreling through that shit. Like, but just the idea that, like, 
Andy Taylor says the welfare state has made Robin Hood obsolete. Wash your hands. Yeah. The end. Dude, like, imagine a child asks you a moral quandary and you say that won't hold up in court to him. Like, what? Like, Both oh, of these boy. psychopaths say this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, oh, guys, my dad says that we don't have a strong case in the court of law. Nailed it. Remember, the court of law is him. Yeah. He is the court. And, and, and re- right. And in, in Opie's idea, right, this man is all of the law. He's the only law man that Opie's ever seen. And it's, oh, my God. But it's, it's such a psychotic response. Like, this, here's this kid who's just like. Can I feed can I feed a man who needs to be fed? And you're like, Haha, hey kid, think about what it's gonna be like to go to court, my son. Think about what it would be like to to sit there and think about going to jail, nine year old child. Like stealing in is stealing is stealing and that's that. Are you sure that you wanna make that sweeping hardcore stance, Andy Griffith show? Are you sure that you wanna like Say something that definitive? No. And and like the, this pivot to that? from this pivot from yeah, you know, it it is rough that you know some people are are down on their luck and and they might need a, a helping hand even if they don't want it because they're good honorable. Oh folks. yeah, they do straight up do that. They say mm-hmm, like they they mm-hmm, do the yeah. hand up, not a handout. Most people just want you know a chance to work. But to to pivot from that to but you know. The, the way it works properly, we've got these structures in place, and it, it's the neoliberal turn where, where we just launder our guilt into, well, you, you know, I, I believe we should make those changes, but it's just not going to pass Congress, so I'm going to yeah. vote for the guy that isn't even going to try. No, it, it, yeah, it's just, the whole thing is just abdicating responsibility and just basically saying, like, don't worry, it's, it's getting worked out over there we don't have to actually engage with the moral repercussions of capitalism because you know the stuff the stuff is happening over there just uh... remember i'm just a cop and i have no say in this whatsoever unless i decide that i do because i'm literally the only authority figure in this town but shut up so he makes the he makes the case that your friend doesn't want charity all if he's honest all he wants is a chance to work Opie says he can't work because he has a game leg to which Andy immediately like goes, oh, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. He doesn't explicitly say that, but that is immediately his read on mm-hmm, the situation mm-hmm. is fuck that game legs aren't real. Like and and immediately starts like calling out this old man. This and, and immediately. So but then he then we get in, we get into Andy Griffith con man because he's like, oh, yeah, let's go help him out. Grab all your friends. We're going to go help this guy. This won't shatter yeah, your yeah. your tiny fragile worldview at all. Like, so it's time to go confront Weary Willie. And again, it's been a while since we mentioned it, so let's make it clear: this man's only crime is accepting gifts that he was not aware were not given by these children's parents. Yeah, yeah. he might have suspected, but no one said shit. This this man has done nothing wrong so yeah. far. So everyone shows up. Barney, Andy, and all four kids, right? And Andy, in his purest con man voice, goes, well, now, why don't you come down with me? We'll go to the Mayberry Employment Office, and we'll find you a job. And- it sounds like a threat every time he says the word job. It's yeah. so sinister. Weary Willie goes, I can't work a uh, bum leg. 
Well, we'll find you an inside job. Can't sit in a desk. That's going to be bad for the leg. Well, why don't we make you a night watchman? You know, well, make a night watchman so you can stand up or sit down or do whatever you need. But the night air. Oh, no. And you know what this is getting at, right? It's basically going like he's poor because he because it's a choice. He's poor because he's lazy because he doesn't want to work. They even offer come on to town with us. We got a nice room you can stay in. By which they mean a I'm jail pretty cell. sure he's talking about jail the jail cell. cell. It's a jail he's cell. threatening yeah. to threaten to, to arrest this it's guy in front of the and then, and then he runs. The homeless guy runs. And that's supposed to prove, oh, look, his leg is fine. He was, he was lying. And that's supposed to prove, remember, kids, if someone's homeless, it's their own fucking fault for being so shitty and lazy. So this let's just decide on three seconds of non-expert observation who is and isn't really disabled. That's that's a cool thing yeah. to do, right? But, and, and as we all know, right, all disabilities are immediately visible at all times by amateurs, right? So the a question I had is, because I, I, I thought this was universal as a kid, but did you guys get fed the lie that most homeless people actually have, like, cars and houses and they just do it as like a job like yeah i definitely heard that a little bit yeah so yeah there was like a a news report where i grew up and suddenly that was fucking everywhere where if you saw a homeless person there's a pretty good chance that they were taking all of those nickels and they were putting them in a bank account and using them to buy a rolls royce so there like, was an entire King of the Hill episode about it. Yeah. Every once in a while when Mike Judge decided to let his weird libertarian conservatism slip in there. Uh, this brought that up for me where I was like, oh, yeah, someone told that to me as a kid and made me a worse person. Because <laughs> for like I was like like 10 or 11, I was this fucking kid's age. And someone said like, hey, most homeless people are faking so you don't need to actually engage with the idea that there's fucking homeless people uh, it, it, it's only a step above like they're just gonna use that to money to buy beer and drugs yeah yeah that's what i use my money for too yeah what a coincidence oh no is he gonna get to the drug guy before i do and then buy all the drugs that i was gonna buy Ah, oh, damn i really wish i hadn't <laughs> given my drug money to that guy it it literally says explicitly being homeless is a choice because it's fun and awesome and they're having a great time. So like, yeah, yeah. But I don't believe anyone who says drug guy has a drug guy. Informal relationship. You don't have like, <laughs> he's your drug guy. He's it's not like you don't want to put like labels on it. Like he's it, not it, he's not a friend. Oh, he's not a dealer. Oh yes, my, my drug guy on the DL. Yeah, yeah. Okay, listen. Listen, oh. all right, I, I had a thought, though, right? I, like I said, I went back and I watched the other Opie and a Homeless Person episode. But I had another thought, right? Why is it the way that they treat this particular homeless person? What makes this person different than, say, the Darlings, right? The Darlings are also dirt poor. They do have a home, but just barely, mm. right? I guess the idea is that maybe they they own land, but... It's it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's a shack in the middle of nowhere. A funky little shack. A funky little ramsackle shack. What is the status of their tin roof? <laughs> it's rusted. Oh, okay. That's that's bad for the rain. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> like it, could, they could be squatters for all we know. It's 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 <laughs> it's this weird like I'm not even gonna say conservative thing because you, you see it a lot in like tech areas where it's just like. If you are barely struggling, but you at least have a roof of any sort, oh yeah, 
they're so brave. They're, they're really self-sufficient. They live for themselves. They're doing everything it takes to get by. But if you are half a notch below that on the poverty line, fuck you. Well, <laughs> this okay. is your fault. Throughout the Andy Griffith show, anytime a poor person has showed up, like 95% of the time, they've been like, being poor, this rules. I got a jug that I blow on. I have a <laughs> right. bunch of chickens. None of the I'm darlings... None of the darlings seem to have any sort of job. Yeah, they're like, I'm having the time of my life being poor as shit. And this guy is just the first guy to be like, hey, this shit sucks. I fucking hate it. (laughs) Not having a good time. The darlings are like six people living off of one guy's GI Bill. Right? 100%. Yeah, no, it's just the first time somebody, like one of the poor people has gotten mouthy. Yeah. That has has had an ideas above their stature, right? Again, it's the Andy Griffith like compartmentalization. Poor people are poor, and they should know their place as poor. Criminals are criminals, and they should know their place as criminals. Sometimes there is overlap between the poor people and the criminals, but we're not going to think about that. Yeah, <laughs> we cannot. If we address that, then we have to have some other ideas. I just the way that they treat this guy is in this episode is such garbage not even and to be clear this isn't even me looking at it with my like a cab socialist sensibilities this is within the realm of the andy griffith show this is within the knowledge that they have given us they treat this guy especially shitty for no reason yeah i mean he's set up to be a hypocrite essentially like his little weaselly line about the deserving poor at the top but then the twist oh he's he's undeserving ah it's means testing propaganda is what it is 100 percent. i feel like there's something especially sinister about how lame the aha we got him is because he just Mm -hmm. doesn't have a bum leg like they made this character. They wrote the show. His big evil reveal could be that he's a fucking terrorist who is trying to blow up the White House. Like, <laughs> they could do anything and they're big, like, aha, he doesn't say grace before he eats food and he can actually run. Oh, got him. Like, that's it? That's all you got? You know, uh, by the way, I want to point something out here because I had this thought uh, this scene, this gotcha that they have, it doesn't prove shit. No. It doesn't prove shit. Number one, like, ignoring the fact that, yeah, even someone with a lame leg can probably run a short distance and then be in extreme pain. But no, here's what I'm talking about. The, he's like, okay, see, he's a hypocrite because he was offered work and he didn't take it. Well, he was offered work from two cops. <laughs> <laughs> if you had put literally any if you had given that message from literally anybody if you wanted to be sending the message that you think you're sending put aunt b in there let yeah. aunt b do something but again this is a character this character has said very clearly i don't like cops i don't trust cops i've had bad experiences with cops i've had bad experiences with that guy specifically pointing at barney and then suddenly two cops show up and the first job he's offered is road work. When a cop says that you can come down and do road work, that's a fucking chain gang. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. Once again, like I, I've said this before, most of the problems with this show would be solved just by putting Aunt B in like a social worker role. Yeah. Right? Send Aunt B down there with some chicken and dumplings, because it's all she ever fucking does. And let He loved her pie. And 
Love that part. Yeah. Let, let her talk to the man and let her offer some assistance and then see what happens, right? Literally have anybody but the cops do this and you'll be making a better point. Have Aunt B go down with a basket of fried chicken once a week and literally all of this is solved. He doesn't want to move from his small cardboard box by the lake. He'll stop taking, your, your kids will stop giving him food. Just literally give him the food and then stop thinking about him. You you people are just absolutely like drowning in fried chicken. Just give him we some don't of even, the fried chicken. We don't even have to say that Andy's wrong or, or challenge him as long as we put in a little line about how Aunt B is, is being paid for this chicken through taxes. Yeah. Or in love and friendship. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if Aunt B befriends this guy, like maybe she goes and gives this guy chicken every week and then they kind of hit it off and become friends. Well, guess what? Now Aunt B's being paid in friendship. That's exactly what you said five fucking times, isn't it, Barney? You piece of shit. <laughs> fucking. Uh, I, I, you know what, Dan? You're, you're right. You're right. Like, I, I was thinking too high-minded. I was like, I, I had this theory in my head. I was like, look, every single episode would be so much better if you had, like, Aunt B is a social worker and Barney's a fascist and Andy's somewhere in between them. And every problem is Aunt B wants to solve it this way. Or Andy wants to solve it this way. Barney wants to solve it this way. And sometimes one's right and sometimes the other's right. Like, I was like, that every episode should be that. Sometimes the fascist's right. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> no, sometimes. Look, I mean, look, that, that, that's your, like, that's your, like. Sometimes standard. you gotta give it to him. Again, again, not my thoughts, Andy thought, Andy Griffith's thoughts. And I was like, that would be great. It would also solve the problem of Aunt B not having to do anything. Dan, motherfucker, you're brilliant. Dan just came up with the idea of, like, I can solve this and not give Aunt B anything new to do. I'm yeah. just gonna use I'm just gonna use her pre-existing purpose. God, that's such a better idea though. It would be such it would be so much more interesting if we send Aunt B there and she, and they become friends. And, and then you get like an a Barney and Andy and Aunt B clash. Ah! You have the replicator from Star Trek. It's just broken and only produces fried chicken. And it can move around. Its name is Aunt B. Like, just use it to solve all possible problems. You have so many. And if somebody needs to be taken out, you know, sleep with the fishes, she gives them the pickles. Exactly. Right, right, right. She has two settings. Fried chicken, pickles. (laughs) She can make the world's most mediocre Popeye sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) The Popeye double down. It's just chicken and pickles. It it creates a true neutral that tastes like literally nothing. (laughs) Her fried chicken sandwich just reaches equilibrium and destroys the universe from from within. (laughs) You start to touch me together and that little like lightning happens between them. Oh, fuck. You know what? Fuck this stinger. No, no, not fuck the no, stinger. No, the no, stinger is yeah, important. No. Okay, okay, yes, okay, yes. The stinger is the the whole episode in microcosm, essentially. So, so Andy and Opie they've they've bonded over this experience. They're doing busy work in in the station, tacking up the the wanted posters or whatever. And Opie's like, "Hey, Pa, I've noticed cops lie like all the time, constantly. <laughs> what gives? Yeah, that seems. And all Andy can do is." say you're right ope aw shucks yeah. he's got nothing he, yeah he's just like hey pa is the fact that you lie to people constantly morally reprehensible and Andy just goes like pass yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, hey the way that they do it is hey pa I gotta ask you a question is it okay for a sheriff to tell a lie if he's got a good reason to tell a lie 
And Andy's like, you mean like how I offered that guy all those jobs when there was no jobs? <laughs> yes. It's extremely important detail. The fact that he was offering jobs that don't exist because it kind of undermines Andy's entire fucking like, point. Pull, like, what the fuck? He's pulling this fucking backroom casting couch ass shit move? Wait, yeah, what What if Willie called his bluff? Yeah, yeah, what, what was what the plan? Happened? Yeah, no, then he would have been like, actually, fuck you. Like, it kind of, it proves Willie's point, the fact that he doesn't have any fucking jobs. I didn't realize it until just now, but the last line is is Andy admitting that he's like, eh. And he says, I guess I don't have a leg to stand on. But I guess, mm-hmm. I think what I was supposed to read it was, yeah, right, you just got it too, Dan. What I was supposed to read is, I don't have a leg to stand on. Eh? So, so what what has Opie learned? Opie has learned that you you can't do wrong for for good reasons unless you're the law, and then maybe sometimes. Yeah, it literally like the ending conceit of the show is them basically saying like, "But fuck moral consistency! <laughs> like, yeah. do not try to like untangle this web by looking at moral equivalence because." fuck you we're we're not even going like just 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 fuck off before we get into ratings i'm just gonna go ahead and 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 say this i don't i try to give this show the benefit of the doubt whenever possible i try to give the viewers of this show the benefit of the doubt whenever possible but i'm just gonna say if you watch this as a child this episode made you a worse person explicitly not maybe maybe not forever Maybe not, you know, in a major way. Maybe you were able to cleanse yourself of it later. But if you watched this and internalized it as a kid, it made you worse. You were at least temporarily a worse person for having taken this knowledge into your head. It is I, I think I've said it about other Andy Griffith show episodes, but like this one explicitly like has resulted in human suffering and even death because like. What people saw this and gave less money to homeless people or gave less of a shit about homeless people because they assumed that they didn't have a bum leg and just wanted to be homeless because it's fun and awesome. So they like, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, like, maybe they, not consciously. Maybe they didn't even make the direct co- collection connection. Right. Certainly not. Certainly not. But like on some level, this definitely, especially if you were very young while watching it shaped your viewpoint of what a homeless person is like by completely bungling by not even deigning to engage in opie's actual question his actual concern like all we're left with is the catch-22 of charity if they deserve it they won't take it so if they ask they're up to something oh you better watch out but this guy didn't ask i cannot (laughs) emphasize enough how little this man asked for anything (laughs) <laughs> At best, he hinted. The someone watched this show, and it one hundred percent resulted in them stepping over a homeless person, just going like, "Get a job, 
Like that. This is in there. This is like like the the whole idea, the whole concept of the deserving poor is a way for people to launder their selfishness into righteous wisdom. I am I am the enlightened one. I I help those who help themselves. Yeah, that's okay. We we have taxes for that. You see. Never mind that the programs work on the same fucking philosophy in order to do the least good for the least number of people and get continually squeezed even more as, as we we change the means. For or the test, and there are so many hurdles on the path that even those people who do qualify are almost guaranteed to fall short. And then we get the extra knife twist of, of like propagating the myth of, of the disability cheat on top of it all. Fuck yeah. this episode. And again, it's it's the most minor of offenses, but do just want to like quick reminder: this was the man who raised the man who raised Joss Whedon. Just slide. Just <laughs> quick reminder. <laughs> A cursed family tree if I've ever seen one. So, I mean, look. Ratings. I feel... Let's let's try to do the Andy meter. Did we get any enjoyment out of this episode? Checker Checker scene. scene. Checker scene is good. I really think Willie's a good actor. I think he was fun to watch. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, I guess on a a scale of, like, actual enjoyment, I gotta give it, like, a four. I, I was going to say four. Yeah, that's a number I had in my head. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inhale really deep and say it's a five. Uh, and <laughs> How dare then you? We, and then Barney meter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you, even... you know when you raise a lot of money in a charity drive, <laughs> which is something that's a questionable uh, practice I've learned. Never mind that. But like there's, there's a thermometer and it explodes out the top because like you, you just went off the scale <laughs> and confetti drops. I am, a, <laughs> I, I, I am, I am Rosie O'Donnell flinging koosh balls out of ten. <laughs> I, 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 I am Oprah giveaway out of ten on this one. It, it is like transcended past the Barney meter. It's like fucking Neo, like just just stopping bullets of the concept of numbers in the Barney meter. A fucking kaleidoscope of just horrible bullshit. It's pure. I, yeah, I, I think this has gone beyond grading and is now the grade. This is defined the scale. Yeah, it is one hundred percent. It is definitive. This is, I think. I don't know. I can't think of any other TV shows I've watched where I've been like, this episode of this TV show is pure evil. <laughs> like, I can't think of one. I, I've, there have uh, been Including the of, television show Evil. Yes. Asif Manvi on CBS. There's, I And it starts with promise. At the dinner table, you're expecting like, oh, how's Andy going to get out of this one? Maybe Andy's going to learn something. You know, Barney won't fucking learn a goddamn thing, but that's his whole point. But maybe, maybe. It, 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 it basically, it, it's like, hello, here's an interesting point. Fuck you for thinking about that point. Like, did Kevin Feige watch this as well? Has this affected yeah. all fucking comic book movie people? Did did Christopher Nolan incorporate this into aspects of Dark Knight Rises? Like, <laughs> fucking. I think we can say yes, pretty definitively. Yeah, I just uh, this. I, I I cannot. Listeners, it's... listeners at home, like I want you to keep listening to the show, but I would understand if you stopped here because I can't imagine us hitting a worse one. I know that that might be a fucking self fulfilling prophecy, but. I really, 
I'm going to be stunned if I get angrier at an episode than this. So this is probably a good time to say that we're pivoting. We're a common Rider podcast now. <laughs> uh, we do that. Because <laughs> I don't know if I can fucking do this anymore. Uh, yeah, we, all of our episodes from now on are going to be about 1960s Japanese superhero show, Common Rider. So then when the lobster man said there's no such thing as society, <laughs> here's where I have a problem. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, and there's going to just be a part where a man who's half Cobra is like, and that's why women shouldn't have rights. And we're just gonna be like, come on! (laughs) (laughs) Can't get away from this shit. So, I think that about wraps this up. Grant, why don't you tell our listeners where people can find you on the internet? And Dan, do you want to go get a beer or something? This could take a while. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, you can find uh, me and my thoughts and promoting the, the many things I do when when they are live on Twitter at Jen underscore Ironicus. That's G-E-N underscore I-R-O-N-I-C-U-S. Like like you intoned, intimated, insinuated even, I, I the, the projects are numerous. So I, I just want to shout out the, the Let's Plays that I do on YouTube. You can find it just by searching Chip and Ironicus or... or we just finished the main game of Final Fantasy VII Remake and are starting to to cover the, the DLC campaign and, and all the changes to the PlayStation 5 version that came along with it. Very exciting. A whole lot of fun. Also, the most recent podcast and one that Dan has been on is called Bizarre Podcast Dogs Must Die, where my, my partner Chip and I talk about the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime three episodes at a time. We, <laughs> we are approaching the end of, of the first season of Stardust Crusaders. That is when JoJo's is at its most recognizable. We got the 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 sort of like flagship cast and everybody's got punch ghosts. We're having a great time with it. So so I do encourage people to, to check that out. Uh, it's shiny, it's new, and I'm really, really enjoying uh, recording that every week. It's so fucking good. I'm working my way through it. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Can you imagine thank if we you. tried to do Andy Griffith episodes three at a time? <laughs> We'd go into cardiac arrest. All right, cool. Uh, Grant, so so yeah. If you if you want to be pitched on what we talk about on that show, it's less relevant to the real world. It is sometimes, but other times there is a triple vampire whose body parts turn into super versions of animals who gets dunked in a volcano and survives. Mm -hmm. He's a bad guy though, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Sometimes you fight murderous, uh, sexy Stretch Armstrongs. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, online, you can find us uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I am at. I love that noise. <laughs> I love... Oh, you know it's been a good one when we get that out of Marty. I'm I'm making the like dad trying to get out of the chair noise. All right, well, gotta grab this, pay this bill. Let's rock and roll. Gotta get out of this Applebee's online. I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. On Twitter, we are at Break Mayberry. Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Breaking Mayberry at gmail.com. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. If you want to support us with your money dollars, like Arthur Drexel. Apologize. I got that name wrong earlier. And I think that's it. Uh, Breaking Mayberry on Instagram sometimes. That's about it. Grant, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for coming on to have a conniption with us, bud. (laughs) Thank you so much.
I really cannot emphasize enough that you asked to be on a fun one. Yeah, I asked to be on one that has Ant B in the title. I wanted to get to know this this pie golem and and what her whole deal is. And then we were like, nah, man, no, we need you to come in and just stare into the maw of, of horror and human darkness with us. Come be forever changed on Breaking Mayberry. That's as good enough a note as any to uh, to end on. Come be forever changed on Breaking Mayberry. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you down at the fishing hole.